Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, we have a really special guest. She is a beautiful human being. She has such a light about her. Her voice, her writing is phenomenal and it really resonates with me and provides me with a sense of calm and healing and I cannot wait for you all to hear this conversation. I'm sitting down with Jamila Reddy who is a writer, Buddhist and life coach. Our conversation today touches on manifestation, self-value, self-care and getting free and Jamila leaves us with so many gems in this episode. She dives deep into what self-care looks and feels like to her. She dives deep into career, love, and everything else in between. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Here's Jamila's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. How are you? (laughs) I am good. How are you? I'm good, Jamila. Thank you for being on the show with me today. I've been itching to talk to you, so I'm so happy we're able to make this work. Um, it is a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So for people who don't know who you are and what you do, can you give our listeners a little rundown on those things? Yes. Um, I am a writer and I'm a thinker. I knew this question was coming and I thought about how I wanted to answer it. So I just did a little exercise where I thought to name all of the things that I feel like I am that are separate from the things that I do. Mm. So I'm a writer, a thinker, I'm an explorer, I'm a teacher, I'm a healer. And I really, I really feel like a citizen of the world. Like I feel very much uh, a part of many tribes small and large. So I enact those identities in lots of different ways, but mostly it's through writing. That is beautiful. Um, Your writing is amazing. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is to talk about your voice through writing, but also being a woman of color and in the self-care space and you're a Buddhist. Um, So I wanted to really tap into those different aspects of your life how has self-care played a role in who you are today? Because you talk a lot about being your best self and showing up for yourself and pouring into yourself so you can pour into others. How has that helped you on your journey? So for me, self-care is really about, it's it's a manifestation or an expression of valuing my life. Mm-hmm. And I started to really honestly, I think, you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement started to pick up, I thought about like, what does it mean for me to believe that Mm -hmm. such that I can convince other people Mm -hmm. if that's what I felt like I had to do? I don't feel like I have to do that anymore. Um, But at the time, that was a big question is like, do I believe that I'm valuable? 
Um, and so self-care became a way that I was able to enact my belief. Um, so, you know, if I love myself, I'm going to stay hydrated today. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it kind of becomes a little game that I play with myself to see like, how, how generously can you love on yourself today? Mm. Um, as like a constant reminder that I am worthy and that I have a gift to offer that I have to protect the gift. Um, so, so thinking of myself as valuable helps me remember to treat myself as such. And I had to believe that I was valuable and that my life was valuable if I, if I was ever to tell anyone that truth for themselves. And that's really what I feel like I'm trying to do is remind people you're so valuable and you're so powerful and you have so much potential and don't sabotage it. Yeah. I mean, I love when you make your videos and share them on social media because normally it's what I need to hear. <laughs> like, girl, have you drink your water today? Have you yes. stayed hydrated? Are you loving on yourself? Because as givers, right, as givers, teachers, healers, and women of color, it's so easy for us to pour, 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 and forget to replenish. And yes. um, I want to tap on, I, I, wa I want to touch on that a little bit too, um, just being a woman of color in this space and realizing your value. I know for me, it was really difficult at first, um, walking in my light and in my truth and really believing how valuable I was. Like I didn't deserve dysfunction in relationships. I didn't mm. deserve settling. Um, I didn't deserve half half empty friendships. I deserved fullness in my entire life, in my entire being, but it took me a lot of trial and error to get there and to get what I wanted. How has that looked for you? Um, finding that self-value and really believing it, not just speaking it, but believing it. Mm. It was through many a Tinder date. <laughs> if I am being 100%, yes. I dated a lot of just, I just, I'm in fact, I was like, I could write a book. In fact, I am writing a book Yes, ma'am. about all of these stories that I have about the ways that I allowed myself to stay stuck in this narrative of like, this is, this is, this is all I can get. Um, you know, it's like kind of settling, really. It's not even kind of, it's settling. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I was just, I didn't believe that I could have, you know, totally love-filled, transparent, courageous, joyful relationships. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I can't, you know, after, and of course, you know, with all of these relationships, there, there comes a point where you're like, what am I, you know, there's a moment of like, lucid, you know, you're lucid. And then you start your, your process to free yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I did that over and over and over and over until Same. I was like, Jamila, girl, <laughs> are you, have you had, an, I got tired of myself. I'll switch it up, you know, like switch it up. So it has been, it also does feel like an evolved process to get here. And I still find myself sometimes being like, again, you know, really? You're here? And that's why I remind myself. I honestly use social media because I I need the reminders. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need I need this reminder. And it feels like it's more solidified when I share out. I that's so funny that you say that because I had a woman ask me, does it feel more real when you share it or when you mm -hmm. just simply do the work? And mm -hmm. for me, I have to do the work first before I share. 
And that's because we live, for me, and I want to I wanna touch on this. I'm so glad this conversation is flowing so organically because I have these notes down and we're like literally hitting these notes without even yes, trying. Yes, yes. For me, social media has become really loud for people. Um, including myself. So there have been moments where I've just had to log off and I'll share something and I'll log off. And I find that it's become kind of this self-care trend, this self-care competition, this let me share to get validation on I'm on what I'm sharing. And I think that a lot of people have have been there, including myself, like, oh, my gosh, are they are they, are they going to like this or or whatever the case may be. Right. So. What I started doing is doing the work, being intentional about the work, doing the work for me, writing the words for me, and then being able to open up and share and reflect and therefore, I guess, assist other people. How do you think self-care has played a role in um, social media and vice versa? Do you think that social media has kind of clouded um, self-care or mm. Mm, how people navigate the space? Or do you feel like it's helped? Because I'm on the fence about it. It, it, kind, of, it kind of, I don't know, makes me feel weird sometimes. Right. I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely a yes and. Mm-hmm. It's both. I think that, you know, I was just reflecting on, like, how you have solidified the idea of self-care for however many hundreds of thousands of people. And that's like how honestly revolutionary that is. Mm. And that cannot be denied. You know, someone the other day told me um, that people follow you because they trust you. There's something about you that they want to align themselves with. And that's, it's literally in the language. That's why they're called followers. Mm. People follow your journey. They follow your lead Mm. because they trust you to guide them. And I am also (laughs) the person like scrolling, being like, her vacation looked more fun than mine. And (laughs) my meals never look like that. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) I don't got no garnish just laying around. Right, right, right. immediately kind of invalidating all of the the work that I know to be true Mm, about mm -hmm, myself mm -hmm. because of this like kind of it's like mental trickery space and so honestly I I am in the habit of unfollowing I just saw your post I went to your social media just to kind of like dive back into some of these questions that I had and I saw where you shared unfollow anybody who makes you feel bad about yourself I am dive into that It's self-sabotage to give so much energy to things that make you feel less capable. And it's so easy to do. Mm -hmm. It's spending time with people who have small visions or who who make us doubt our visions, not make us doubt. No one can make you doubt your vision, but you, but people who, you know, there are the doubters. There are people who are, who are afraid that they can't do it. And Mm. so they, they project that fear onto you Mm -hmm. and, and you've got to recognize that it is your responsibility to protect your magic. Yeah. It's your responsibility to stay in your power and yeah. not to allow external things, whatever they may be, to distract you from your wellness and your joy. And I feel like there are certain, the internet is just set up. I mean, it's just capitalism, yeah. quite frankly. Absolutely. It's set up to market to you so that you feel like there's need. You would never buy something you didn't think you needed. So mm-hmm. the system is built literally ingrained into the system of the internet and mm-hmm. of, of social media. It's like, 
looking and comparing and thinking that you need so that you stay engaged, so that you try to figure out what it is. So it's just kind of, it can be, I'm like, yeah, I have no, I'm like, I have no shame. I will unfollow everybody today. If doing so allows me to stay in my power, mm. they, they can't, they, they can't do that. Yeah. You know, you have to, I have to stay engaged. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you you don't. have to stay engaged with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Tap in. Yeah. Tap inward. And that is what I love about you and your work, because you just seem so self-aware of the work that it takes to stay in your power, as you say, like to stand in your power. And mm -hmm. I want to I want to circle back to the um the Tinder dates and what was kind of your last straw because you're in love now, you're partnered now and um, your partner, they are awesome and they seem to make you so happy. Um, and you share some of you guys' truths and um, I want to just circle back on before you met them and what was your last straw? Like what did you have to do to attract the love that you have now, because I know for me, I, before I met Ryan, I was a shit show. Like my life was just kind of terrible. Um, and it was because not my life was terrible. My dating life was terrible. Let me just edit that because I knew, sure. I knew that I wanted a husband. I knew that I wanted monogamy. I knew that I wanted love and unyielding love. Um, and I knew that I wanted Friendship. I wanted a love that was rooted in friendship and I had never had that. So I was looking for it, looking for it, looking for it instead of saying, look for it within yourself and then you'll be ready whenever your partner comes along. So I took a year off of dating, no sex, no entertaining guys. I was working on Alex. I was writing myself love letters a year straight. That's where words from a wanderer came yeah. from the notes to self. And then I randomly met Ryan and we became friends and then we fell in love. So there's the work right there. I'm living right. proof that when you turn inward and you do the work, everything else will fall into place. So I just want to know from you, is that how that worked for you? Did you just kind of have to shut off and then recharge and then come back? It's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely that. I, I feel like the last straw was when I, when I started to take myself seriously, <laughs> right? <laughs> when I started to take myself seriously and be like, you know, you're a writer, which means you should probably do some writing, mm. you know? And I was like, you know what? You, you're a writer and you, you could be a better writer. Mm. You should probably study a little bit. So I went to grad school to become a writer and I'm, you know, in this space and I, and I'm right before I go to grad school, I'm dating, you know, kind of my last <laughs> my last boyfriend, yeah, <laughs> the final one, um, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was just kind of like, I have too much to do, honestly, mm -hmm. to be spending my energy here um, where it's not being reciprocated. I'm not being restored and it's compromising my ability to do what I feel like I'm here to do. Mm. Um, and that kind of became it. I just had to, I just had to stop. I just had to, I just had to cut it. I was like, I have, I've got work to do. And honestly, you're, um, you're in the way, mm. you know, you're distracting me. Was that hard for you? <laughs> or had you no. gotten to the point where it was like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm really good. <laughs> um, you know, 
It was hard. It, it was hard because there's always then, you know, as soon as you make a confident decision there, here comes your ego. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just trailing behind. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. are you, are you certain that you're going to be able to find what you're looking for? Or are you going to be making a huge mistake by letting this person go? Mm. Um, you know, and like, you know, is it that you are, maybe you are stubborn and maybe you are hard to love. Mm. So you know, what if, what if this person's doing you a favor, you mm. know, by hot buys? So of course, you know, then of course it's hard to ever, you know, to ever decide that you deserve more than, you know, mediocrity right? because your ego is going to be, yeah, talk, just talking mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. So if it's, if it's hard and it was really sharing out that allowed me to receive that external validation. I have no shame in saying the fact that people responded to what I was sharing allowed me to see its value. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this is useful for people. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I like that you said that because I feel like there is good external validation because we're humans and we like that, but there's also negative external validation. So we just have to you know, boundaries and balance because I feel the same way when I get messages and emails or I meet people in the street and they say, your words have completely changed my life. Your words are the reason why I've practiced, I've practiced self-care. Your words are the reasons why I stopped drinking. Your words are the reasons why I didn't kill myself. And I went to a therapist like the, that, that is, that is power. That is, that is soul power like that's fuel and that reminds me when I get down on myself because we all do like am I really am I supposed to be doing this work am I good at doing this work the minute I start doubting myself the universe brings me someone who validates me and says Alex you're supposed to be doing this work and I had to had a oh my gosh I had a meltdown maybe like a week ago because I just you know I had just had the baby and I was you know kind of out of commission with neon soul. Like I cut off my tour last year. The book is a year old now. I was like, am I going to go back on tour? The book is old in the literary world now. Like, what am I going to do? You know, people kind of have forgotten about it or, may, or I was just giving myself all types of negative self-talk and focusing on the negative instead of what the work has done and what I have done to get the work to where it is. And I had to I had to stop and I had to really take a look at why do I do this work and who am I doing this work for? And I logged off the Internet because then you're on other people's pages and you're like, you know, this writer is a New York Times bestseller and I'm not. And all this all this stuff, it's it can be so loud. Right. And I turned inward and I had to just give myself a pep talk. And I had to go in the mirror and I had to say my affirmations. <laughs> and right. then I got an email from this woman to say, you know, I was melting down in my car and I walked into Barnes and Noble and I went to the poetry section. And your book is the only book that stood out to me because it has foiling on it. And I opened it and the first page shook me and I melted down in tears on the floor in Barnes and Noble. So thank you for, for helping me and healing me that day. That was after a night of me just being like, what the heck am I doing with my career? Like, where do I want right. to take it? And that is where I want to take it. Whether it touches one person or a million people, I want people to feel the work and I want it, I want it to settle into their hearts. 
Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. How have you been able to tap into that truth that you are supposed to be doing this work? You are supposed to be sharing this work and changing people's lives. Have you owned that and claimed that or has that been a difficult thing to do? Both. Mm -hmm. It's been difficult. And I, I think I've, you know, I feel confident that I've made some progress in that area to feel like this is something I should be doing. Um, but primarily, and just like you said, I do it really for myself first. It really does happen for me, not only because, you know, when I, when I write, when I'm writing these stories of this, you know, this one night in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. it helps me remember and, Mm -hmm. and remember, I love this. This is from Toni Morrison. She talks about the idea of rememory. Um, and it's kind of like when you come back to yourself, Mm. um, you know, if you break the word down, literally the etymology of the word to re is, you know, to repeat, to do something again, member, mm-hmm. um, is like the, the, your, the, you know, to be dismembered, the parts of your body. So when we talk about remembering, it's like, you're putting all of your parts, you're remembering yourself. Mm-hmm. And it helps me, it helps me know how much growth I've done to talk about the me at 22, who was like staying up until 3am eating cheesy breadsticks and like drinking a six pack of PBR. Who was she? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> But she got me here. Right. So I got to tell, you know, I got to, right. I got to shout her out too, right. you know, cause she knew something or two, she knew a thing or two about delight, mm-hmm. you know, and was not ashamed then. Mm-hmm. I feel like storytelling happens for me first and the reminders, I'm a journaler. I mean, you get it. Yeah. I am always, I have journals and journals. So it is a part of, it is just a part of the way that I am in the world. Yeah. I've constantly been observing. I mean, Harriet, the spy was like my, I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Harriet. Yes. I love her because I was like, she's a journaler like me, you know, like she really resonated because I was like, I too observe the world. Mm. And that's always just been a thing that I've done. Mm. So it happens for me. And then it, it is delightful. And really the scary part is like, is, is this valuable to anyone else? Yes. Or you just like sharing these like, you know, I don't, is this valuable to anyone else? Yeah. Mm. And still, you know, I, I've I've just stopped asking the question, you know, really, I'm just like, just do it. And it actually doesn't, it doesn't need to be, even if it's Mm. not, it doesn't matter Mm, because it's valuable to you. Yeah. That just shook me. I love that. And that is the truth. That is the absolute truth. It is. 
it is, but I need the reminders, you know, it's like, we all do. I so so value. I mean, that's, I think why this, like the community, the the virtual community is so relevant because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, you are my reminder. You're Mm -hmm. my mirror, Mm -hmm. you know, when I can't see it clearly, it's like, I need to have the, I surround myself with, with reminders. And I think that's what you remind people to do. It's like affirmations. It's Mm -hmm. like, you've got to write it down. down. You've got to look at it. You've got to say it out loud. You need to remind yourself or you will forget. Yes. And you, and it has to become a ritual and it has to become a daily practice. The reason why I started sharing the affirmations is because I needed the affirmations (laughs) is because I needed to find a new way to take to my journal and to take to pen and paper. So journaling itself had become kind of redundant for me, like opening my journal and writing it down, closing the journal. And then it just wasn't, it wasn't flowing for me for a while. So that's when the ripped pieces of paper came from. And I was just like, I'm going to write my love for self, my affirmation on this paper, and I'm going to collect them in a basket for a year. And when I collect them in a basket for a year, I'm going to chain them up And I'm going to hang them in the house somewhere for the whole family to see. So I've been collecting my affirmations, shared and unshared, for almost a year now. And it's been such a beautiful journey because I need those reminders, you know. And sometimes it's so much easier to see it right in front of you, not bound to the journal. Like you're holding it. You're holding that truth in your hand. And... You can look at it. You can put it in your pocket if you need it. You can stick it in the car. You can tape it to the fridge. It's free and it can follow you. And that's why the affirmations are on the paper. And I shared them because I needed that. I share what I need because I know that if I need it, someone else needs it. We're not alone in this journey. We're not alone in this struggle. Like we are in this together. And that's what I tell. That's what I tell students. That's what I tell my girlfriends. That's what I tell my clients. Like, I don't have your answers. You have your answers. And we are in this journey of exploration and adventure and figuring it out together. So if I need it, you probably need it, too. And if you need it, please share it with me because I'm probably in the same breath. Girl, I need that, too. Right. So I love that you're building the community that you're building via the Internet, but also off the Internet. You're offering coaching sessions. Um, Can we talk a little about that? Like what made you want to step into that work? So uh, most of that work happens actually virtually. Um, So I, you know, a lot of these people find me via things like Instagram Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and reach out to me and that's how we get connected. But uh, initially, you know, it, it started, it started coming honestly when I was, um, when I was eating like rice and beans five days straight in graduate school thinking, I, I don't know if I'm about this life Mm. because I, I'm not trying to be a starving artist. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, so I had this big kind of crisis and I actually dropped out of ad school. I, I, I was there for an MFA in creative writing and I left after a year because I, I realized that I was spent, I was actually, I was spending a lot of money to kind of be not having a lot of money. I was like, wait, <laughs> to, to be broke. <laughs> wait a minute. Right. <laughs> this, this is not resonating with my spirit. Right. Um, and so I started to think about when I'm a writer, when I'm offering, you know, the reason why I want to, the reason that I'm here mm-hmm. is not so that I can, is not so that I can like make a ton of money. That's right. actually not why I went to grad school. I never thought that was going to happen. Right. But I wanted to be able to be excellent at what I was doing. Yes. So that I could 
sell it with confidence. Yep. yep. <laughs> and yep. that's not a skill they teach you nope. in graduate school. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this, I don't need this. Right. Um, but I had to start thinking of what I was doing as something that could be monetized. I had to start thinking that way. And a lot of people are like, Ooh, no, you can't think about money. You have to, you have to think about money because what they want you to do is be wearing yourself, you know, running yourself ragged Mm -hmm. so that you can't do your work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it is in fact a trick of the enemy. Okay. Mm -hmm. For us to be convinced that we don't get to to flourish mm. by doing this work. So I started, I started coaching because I started thinking, you know, I'm doing, people are always reaching out to me. What can, can I get your opinion on this? Can yes. I get your insight mm-hmm. about this? Yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah. I have this experience with my lover, yeah. my mother, my sibling, my boss, myself, and they, they want my insight. And so at a certain point I had, I had too many receipts for me to be, con- for me to for, to believe anymore that what I had to offer wasn't valuable in that Hello. way. So I thought, okay, I want to be able to do this, but I can't be doing this with integrity. I can't be excellent at it. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing all this other stuff all the time, mm-hmm. I got to quit the day jobs. I got to quit like, you know, being exhausted from standing on my feet, working at restaurants. Like I got to quit running after these people's kids. Like I can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. Um, right. And so I need to, if, or if I'm going to do it and I want to, I, I have to get I need to start making it, uh, I need to make it sustainable for myself. Yes. So then I thought, okay, I'm just going to offer it. I'm going to offer it as coaching. Um, And that was the kind of evolution of that idea, which is, I felt like I was kind of enacting a lot of my coaching work through writing for free. And then when people wanted to kind of go deeper, get more involved, I thought I I really want to do this, but it requires so much that I I, I can't be doing all this other stuff. I got to be able to do it and focus on it. Absolutely. And I love it. I absolutely love it there are so many women of color who need safe spaces, uh, whether they're virtual or in person. And there needs to be educators, teachers, coaches that look like us to be sharing that insight um, and to be leading um, those conversations. So I really like when I saw that you were diving into that work, you and a few other of my um, friends had stepped into coaching and I'm just like, yes, like this is what, we need. We need to be able to help and to extend and to lead. Um, and then in turn, those people that we're helping extending to and leading are going to do the same thing. So we're creating Absolutely. this community and this conversation and this tribe of helpers, leaders and extenders. And that is like, like, that's huge. That's a huge legacy to leave Absolutely. behind on this world because who like, like, well, why wouldn't we want to do that? You know, like, why wouldn't we want to create more good in this in this world? Because we need it um, and and we need each other. I always say it's so crazy. I want to I want to get, get your um, opinion on this. There's so many times people say, like, I'll just turn it inward for a second. When I was hurting, I would say, I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need them. But in my meditations over the past maybe three years, I've learned that, and this comes up a lot, like we need everybody. We can't like, we can't do this life by ourselves. And an example is if you take the bus every day to work, you need the bus driver to drive you there. Right. If you are flying from DC to LA, you need the pilot to get you there. Like we need people. We need other people's 
experience and expertise. And I stopped saying I don't need Mm. because in reality, that wasn't the truth. Right. And I realized every time I said I don't need, I began to lack. I was lacking. I wouldn't get, oh, the universe is like, oh, you don't need that. You know, you don't need this. So Mm. you're not going to get it. So you're not going to get it. Right. Um, So I want to get your opinion on that. How do you feel about that narrative and kind of just reversing the the language of saying of, of lacking? Because that's what it is. Language is very powerful. And that is one of the things that I love the most about writing. When you say something is so, it becomes and and I'm like, it is so simple. I'm like, this is not just like some kind of tweetable. I'm like, no, actually try it. Mm-hmm. Write your goals. I spoke with a client the other day and I was like, what are your biggest dreams? <laughs> um, and, you know, they tell me all of these like incredible dreams. And I'm like, awesome. Have you written any of them down? You know what? No. I'm like, aha. Right. Because you, I was like, because you know. I said, are you a writer? <laughs> because <laughs> I know you know that the moment you start to write down, right. you're gonna ha- your relationship to it changes immediately. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about changing the language, which I think that's where you were going from. I don't need, or I don't want to, I do need, right? Because we do need people. We do need certain things. And the minute we say we don't, we become less, not less than, but we start to lack certain things due to, you know, words are powerful and written words and spoken word. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's interesting to think about like the, you know, saying that you need or thinking that you need manifesting that reality of mm-hmm. lack in your life. And mm-hmm. I struggle all the time with these kind of, I have this internal battle between feeling abundant mm. um, and not like, you know, it really does fluctuate. Like some days I feel like, wow, I have everything I could ever want or need. And yeah. other days, you know, just like you're saying, you have this these negative self, these negative self-talk moments mm-hmm. where it's like all of that goes out the window. So it's, it's a useful reminder and I'm grateful, um, to, to think about language being something that actually, you know, manifests the reality. And I feel like this is, you know, to, to go all the way back to the beginning of yes. our conversation is yes. one of the big reasons I practiced Buddhism mm-hmm. because I find the language to be so illuminating, just mm-hmm. like reading Buddhist philosophy. I'm like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not a prayer is a determination. It's I determine, I determine for this to be my reality. And every day I determine and I, and I sit in that determination. And when I am, when I am ground, that is what I mean. When I say I'm in my power, it Mm -hmm. means I am still determined. Mm -hmm. I've stopped saying like, I need this. It's like, I am determined to, I'm determined to have this. And that reminds me that it's active. Yes. You know, it's, it becomes more present. It becomes a thing. I'm like, oh yes, you're still determining to do that. Great. What are you about to do about it today? Right. You know, it, becomes, right. it comes an ongoing thing instead of just like a worry. Yes. That, that, that is it. When did you step into Buddhism and when did you realize this is it for me? This is the language and the practice that I need. I want to say it was 2000 and was it 2015, 2016? It was the summer where both Alton Sterling and Philando Castile were were murdered mm-hmm. kind of back to back. It was like, it's, I think it was in the same week. 
and I had been dating my my partner for a few months, um, who has been practicing Buddhism for ten years. Okay. And I was like, I I'm done. I'm logging off. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I cannot. This. And you know, of course, I was on my. You know, I I'm I'm too powerful for distractions. I was mm. like, this is not helping me stay in my power. I feel defeated, utterly defeated by this. It feels never ending. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And my partner was like, you know, you have a powerful gift to offer and you cannot allow the world to defeat you. You cannot allow it to defeat you. You've, you, you can find a way there is, it doesn't have to be. So I think that's what they said. It doesn't, you don't have to be defeated by the world. It is a possible reality for you to be able to look all of the world's violence and injustice and suffering in the face and and not be defeated by it. So they were like, you know, I, I encourage you to try chanting. So part of, you know, I practice Nietzsche in Buddhism and it's characterized by the practice. It's a daily practice of chanting the title of the Lotus Sutra, mm-hmm. um, which with the Lotus Sutra is one of the Buddha's most profound teachings because it dictates that every single person already contains Buddhahood is already mm. inherently a, a Buddha, is a being characterized by infinite wisdom, infinite compassion, and mm. infinite courage. That's what it means to be a Buddha, that you are enlightened to the reality of who you really are. And so and so I started chanting as a way to to remember, you know, that it's that I am a person that has that has healing capacity and the intention of of actually all of this the intention of all of this, you know, the, the bad news mm-hmm. all over is really to, is really to take away my power. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, I, I cannot magnify that work. You know, when you, when you literally, you can literally kill somebody and take away their actual physical life and you can render someone hopeless, which means they're no longer taking action to change anything, which means they might as well I mean, they're not useless, but you take away their power, you take away their life force. So I was like, ah, you know, you're not going to take away my life, but if I allow you to take away my life force, I might as well be dead. There's nowhere to go, Um, which is very morbid, you know, but it's kind of like it became a very obvious reality that I couldn't be complicit. I was like, oh, if I let them defeat me, if I'm if I'm allowing these systems to make me hopeless, then, you know, if if I'm hopeless then I'm not going to try to change anything about it and it just keeps happening and then I'm complicit. So my practice really helped me see the ways that, in fact, we are all complicit in what happens outside. If we are defeated internally, then our environment will reflect our defeat. And so I didn't I was like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't want to, I, I got to, I need to make good. I need to create value. And that is, you know, the, the organization that I practice with is Soka Gakkai International and it literally stands for Value Creation Society. It's this international community of people who are like, how can I create value from all of the hurt and all of the, the negative things that we talk about turning poison into medicine. This is what I feel like I do. And now there's not only people who know what I'm talking about, but I can say, what are you doing to, you know, they, it's like, I'm, what are you doing to turn poison into medicine? I just feel like it is such a tribe. It has just changed the way that I relate to my surroundings. And it's helped me see that like, nobody's responsible for my life, but me. So we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but I want to touch on your partner. I don't want to, I do not want to end this conversation without talking about the love that you guys 
have for one another. Um, when did they come into your life and how? We met uh, two years ago, two years ago and some change at CalArts when I was in, in grad school. I was a student <laughs> there and they were working. Um, they were on staff in the School of Theater. And we ran into each other at an open mic. The Black Student, like Black Arts Collective was hosting an open mic and we both showed up. And, you know, I was in graduate school and they were working on staff and we kind of evolved into these roles as like the, you know, the parents, like we were like the auntie and uncle <laughs> of, you know, this group. And we were like, let me, you know, I've done undergrad. Let me tell you a thing or two mm -hmm. about how to throw an open mic. You mm -hmm, know, like mm -hmm. I was just like, we, we came from a place of experience. And so we collaborated first as friends and and collaborators really we were producing events together um and this kind of season of programming for this organization and um it was just such fun it was such fun and we worked so well together and then at a certain point they were like do you want to get dinner i was like huh <laughs> <laughs> hmm and then our friendship evolved and we started hanging out and you know now we're we're doing it. We're doing the partnership thing, which is, um, you know, it's when we first started dating, my partner said, I'm looking for a partner. Mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Put it <laughs> out there. Can we just be clear? Can we just be clear? Put it which, out there. Which was so uh, new. Mm. Mm. Actually, I was like, huh? Wow. I mean, it was kind of like, this is exactly what I want. Um, and this is what I need. And when and when there were discrepancies, it was a thing that was like, you know, wasn't like I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna be mad at you. And it was like I feel like I'm not getting this thing that I need from you. And I just want to, you know, have a transparent conversation about whether or not you feel like you have the capacity to provide it, or you know, I'm trying to cultivate it for myself, but I would like support in these ways. Mm. Wow, Here like this go. is a whole. This is something else. It's new, right? Isn't it new? new? Isn't it so? Like, I I I'm hearing very similar connection that Ryan and I had. Like it, it was just, it was, it was new. And I was just like, wow, somebody wants to be with me and love me and like not walk away from me when things get hard. Right. And that's what I'm hearing with you and your partner. Just like, like we're in this, like we're partners. Like this is a partnership. We're friends, we're lovers, but we're partners in this life. And right. that. Man, that's so special. And I really want everybody to feel this. Like, I don't I don't know if you've gotten this question, but a lot of people has, have asked me, how did you know Ryan was the one? How did you know Ryan was the one? And I'm like, I don't know. You just know. And when I was asking a friend of mine years ago, literally year, maybe like seven or eight, nine years ago when she met her partner I was like, how did you know he was the one? Because I was looking like, like, how do you know? Because no one seems to love me the way I need to be loved or how I love them. And she goes, I've been there and you'll know when you know. And I'm like, girl, that is the most cryptic. Listen, <laughs> that doesn't tell right. me anything. Like, but come then on, Miss Cleo. Right? <laughs> Give me something. What are you saying? Right. But then I met Ryan and I was like, yo. This is what she was talking about. This. You just know. And you know because you feel, you don't feel empty. You don't feel lacking. You don't feel um, uneasy. You feel like this person is like down for me. And this person isn't going to just crap on me. They're going to love on me. And 
that is something I hadn't had before. And I just want everybody to feel what you feel and what I feel in this, in our partnerships, because at the end of the day, it's so much deeper than a relationship, right? It's, it's layers to it. And man, just hearing you talk about that just gave me all types of feels. One of the things that I think is most noteworthy about my current relationship Mm -hmm. is that this, for the first time, I am with somebody who loves themselves. Listen, Jamila. Deeply. And it is the difference. Jamila. It's the difference. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And so I don't have to worry actually Mm. that I'm not good enough because I have seen this person every single day make decisions that prioritize their wellness and their joy. I have no evidence that this person would ever compromise it because it's so consistent. And so it, it allows me to be courageous because I don't have to I don't have to worry, you know, I, I know that we can both evolve together, you know, and I don't have to fear this, like, uh, you, you know, what if you, I don't know, what if I outgrow you or what if you yeah. outgrow me? That's yeah. not there anymore. It's just like, we're growing together, together. and, mm-hmm. and that's where we are. It's what, what's happening right now. And I don't have to be like freaking out about what, what it's going to be, but right now we're growing together and it feels great. Oh, that, that That's everything, literally everything. Last thing. You got a haircut and you look beautiful and you are making me miss my bald head. So what brought that on? Like you look amazing and you just your smile, your face is glowing. Your smile is even bigger and brighter. Like, how do you feel with this with this new look? I feel I feel good. It's, you know, so I'm like, oh, wow. You know, look at myself and be like, oh, right. Um, in the mornings, like you have no hair on your head. <laughs> um, but one of my friends said, now everybody will just assume you're a Buddhist. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I was like, you know, that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, you know, I don't hate it. Um, but I feel good. It feels, it feels good to experiment and just to kind of switch it up such that you can experience, you know, what changes when you change. It just, I feel like that is one of the things that brings my life a lot of joy is, you know, like just, just trying something new and seeing what it teaches you or what it, what it brings you. And it's so it's, I mean, and it does change the way you're seen in the world. Mm -hmm. It absolutely does. Mm -hmm. It's like when I'm walking around the world with no hair, uh, the way that I'm perceived is much differently when I've got like a big, you know, fluffy Afro puff, you right. know, and a pineapple on top of my head. Like I'm, it's the people see me differently. Yeah. So not to say that there's any value assigned to being, you know, to whatever mode of expression one chooses, but it's, it's, it's been so valuable for me to be able to witness and to learn from that kind of freedom of expression and the diversity of expression that I've given myself permission to, to play with. Um, it's, it's huge. It reveals so much. I, I love it. And you look amazing and beautiful and you. you are glowing. Um, so to conclude our conversation, I wish I could talk to you all day. I really do. This was just so filling for me. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. And same always. Oh, love. Let's give people some self-care tips to walk away with. So Mm. your top three self-care tips, what are they? My top three self-care tips are one, stop judging the way you feel. Mm. There's no judgment in being tired 
or cranky or hungry or low energy or sad, whatever it is, don't judge it. Just be with it, listen to it, and then respond. That's number one. Number two, surround yourself with people who will remind you when you need to be reminded. Whatever That can be a therapist. That can be, um, you can have, I don't know, your alarm in the morning be a recording of whatever. Whatever it is, surround yourself with reminders because it's easy to forget and the world is actually set up for you to forget. Yep. And number three, be curious about how you might feel better and function better. And when you have that curiosity, you will find the answers everywhere. And it won't be something that feels burdensome. It'll be a joyful pursuit of your best self. Thank you, Jamila. Thank you so much for this conversation. I thank you, Alex. Oh, my I'm goodness. so grateful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. Thank you.